0: There is a, it's a sliding doors moment. It's a a severance of time in the space-time continuum where you go in and they put the Doppler bands on you and you know, oh, you've done this before and you're strapped in and they're gonna monitor you. There's this moment where everyone pauses and it's like, ooh, oh, there's a heartbeat. And then they watch it for a minute and they're like, oh no, that's your heartbeat. And then we're, we're gonna need the doctor to talk to you.
1: Welcome back to A Fresh Story. This episode is part of a special series for October, as it is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. We are honored to hold space for these profound conversations and share these stories. These stories may be of grief, but they are also of hope, resilience, and most of all, unconditional love. As a reminder, be gentle with your heart. And if you are not able to listen to this episode at the moment, we understand and we're holding you close. These conversations will change you as they have changed us. I'll let these amazing women tell you in their own words. Laura Malcolm is an innovator, an inventor, a founder, and a mother. Laura is the founder and CEO of Give in Kind, which is an incredibly necessary platform to help normalize support for hard life moments, and good ones too, by eliminating the overwhelm of supporters coming together to help their people through these moments. As you can imagine, over here at Fresh Starts, we're huge fans of Give in Kind. so when the chance came to talk to Laura for Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, I jumped at it. You see, Laura is a lost mom. Her daughter, Layla, was stillborn on November 11, 2013. And it was Layla's death that ultimately became the impetus for Laura and her husband to found Give In Kind. Laura and I talked about why community support is incredibly important during those tragic life moments, what it's like to really leave the hospital without your baby, how she honors Layla's life and spends time with her these days, and the power of Give and kind to make sure no one feels alone during those big, hard life moments.
0: Yeah, so my name is Laura Malcolm. Um, I am the founder and president of a company called GivenKind, which is a platform for organizing support through big moments. I live uh, in Tacoma, Washington, and um, I have two living sons who are five and eight, and uh, one daughter who's uh would be coming up on 10 here next month. Uh, you know, when we talk about not not talking about loss enough, right? I think that um there is some awareness building around miscarriage and how that impacts people. Um uh, there also is a misconception that you can hit certain safe spots in your pregnancy and this idea that oh I'm I'm 12 weeks along. I'm 20 weeks along. I'm, um, you know, I'm going to bring this baby home. We all assume that we're going to. And in, uh, 2013, um, my husband and I had our, our first pregnancy. Um, we were both, um, thrilled, uh, of course, to find out we were pregnant being second marriages for both of us. Um, both on the, you know, on the older side. I mean, I was pushing 30. I'm not, now, now I look at that and go, I wasn't. Older by any stretch. Um, But he's 10 years older than me. And we were anxious. We were anxious to get started. I had been a a nanny in my pre tech career. I was somebody who was obsessed with babies my whole life. Um, And so we found out we were pregnant and uh, knew, had a feeling that it was a girl. We just sensed I'm an older sister. And uh, right after we found out we were pregnant, we found out that my uh, sister-in-law was also pregnant with a girl. And these would be the first girls on that side of the family. And um, we were due the same day, December 12th Um, was our due date. She was going to have a scheduled C-section, but it was really, really special uh, for this family that I married into. Um, that had little boys that had been born cousins born at the same time, same time. And then, wow, what are the odds that, um, there's two little girls that are going to come and, um, November rolls around. I'm 35 weeks pregnant and, um, she has, uh, dropped into place and, um, my husband gets a call that his uh, grandfather has uh, been killed in a car accident. And so we debate, what does that uh, look like? I'm 35 weeks pregnant. Does he fly from California to Texas to um, go be at the funeral? And we decided, sure, 35 weeks, we're, we're plenty safe, right? This baby isn't going to come tomorrow. Um, and uh, so he attended his grandfather's funeral and I was home uh, and woke up. I was going to go watch football that day. And uh, at a bar, sort of enjoying those last days of uh, child-free life. And it was weird. I I remember uh, waking up in the night and poking her and being like, everything okay? Just a weird sense that something was different. And I uh, got up in the morning and, you know, she hadn't um, uh, moved. And there's a lot of misconceptions happen like oh babies run out of space they don't move as much they um get they rest up for delivery right these are not um these are not true are they're things that we we say but anyone who's ever been the last days of pregnancy can tell you no normal healthy babies are trying to push their way out of your stomach it feels like they are not you know resting up and hunkering down for um for delivery And so tried all the tricks all day long uh, until about noon, you know, I drank juice and cold water and laid on my left side and had a Coke. And um, and then I called my OB at um, from from the bar at noon and said, hey, I'm you know, I'm having some contractions and also there's not a lot of movement. And um, he said, come on in. And I was excited. How naive was I? Right. I'm like, "Ooh, something maybe this baby's going to come. And my uh, sister-in-law is a NICU nurse. And she was there with me. And I'm like, no, 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 nobody needs to come with me. Nobody needs to come with me. And as I walked out to my car, she's running up behind me. And she's like, no, I'm going to come with you. And uh, as we pulled up to the hospital, I said to her, worst case scenario, I am having a C-section right now. And James isn't here because I thought that was the worst case scenario. I literally not on my radar that there was anything else that would be happening, right? We had had a baby shower. We, the clothes were folded and clean and like ready to go, right? Everything was about how I was going to birth this baby i you know we had a doula we um you know i was gonna i was so concerned with i'm gonna labor at home for as long as possible and i'm gonna be in front of the christmas tree and i'm gonna do my birthdays in december and so this was like everything wrapped up in this little christmas baby and um i mean i'm sure your guests have have talked about this this moment right there is a, it's a sliding doors moment. It's a a severance of time in the space-time continuum where you go in and they put the Doppler bands on you and, you know, oh, you've done this before and you're strapped in and they're going to monitor you. And there's this moment where everyone pauses and it's like, ooh, oh, no, no, no. Let's just move the band. Oh, there's a heartbeat. And then they watch it for a minute, and they're like, "Oh no, that's your heartbeat." And then mm, we're gonna get the ultrasound machine, and then we're we're gonna need the doctor to come talk to you. And yeah, yeah. Well, they so they weren't married yet. So this at this point, this is my brother's girlfriend. So my poor brother's girlfriend is sitting there for. The worst, the worst moment of my life. I mean, and I had had my father passed away when I was in my 20s. So I had a moment. I had a moment where somebody, my ex-husband actually had to come up to me and say, your dad died today. Like that was um, I've had one of those moments, right, where life just changed. Mm -hmm. And that this was one of those. Right. And they said, I'm sorry, there's, you know, your baby doesn't have a heartbeat. And you're like, well, what does that what does that eat? What does it mean? What does that? Can you can you save them? You get her out right now and save her and talk about the 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 wailing, right? You hear. I mean, nobody wants to be. I, I feel for the moms who are delivering their babies, and, and which is uh, interesting to think, right? Like obviously they're feeling for me, but to be in a room on that floor and hear that sound from someone and all i could say it was like i want my baby that's there's there's no world where a parent should um should then learn right that uh they are going to have labor induced right there's no people ask how do you have a how do how does it do they do they brush you in for a c-section no c-sections are to save lives C-sections are to save the lives of mothers and babies and if a baby is not alive and the mother is not at risk then you induce labor and you know my husband's not there. He's out of town. He's at a plane. I haven't even gotten to tell him yet so I have to figure out how I am going to call this man who, if I thought I was excited about having this baby, right, this is, my husband was adopted at birth and didn't get to know his birth family until later, and his mom had passed away shortly after he was born. So he has never gotten to see or be with either of his biological parents. So having this baby, this little bit of him that was going to come out, um, be taken away from him felt uh, it, I mean it's just devastating isn't even right there's there's no words it's cruel and I had to call him the day after his grandfather's funeral and we, so he's with his family he's with his biological family that he has now gotten to know he's with his adopt his mom And I had to tell him, like, hey, you got to step outside of the restaurant that you're at. I have really bad things to tell you. And he can't comprehend it in the same way. They were basically the only words. I I spoke up until um, Layla was born. Her name's Layla. Um, And then I didn't talk for a week afterwards. I was in the mode, right? I had to text. I texted my coworker. I texted... Um, my boss, like, Hey, Claire, I don't know when I'm coming back to work. I, you know, had to communicate with family and I was sort of in the mode and my best friend was there, everybody, you know, I needed people to bring things for me. And I was in triage mode, crisis planning mode until she was born. And then I was completely shut down. So the doctor said, we're gonna, we're gonna, um, uh, induce you. And I said, you can't, my husband's not here. And, and they're like, don't worry, you're not having this baby In the next hour right this is a long slow painful process and torture and i had i had um planned everything i could for a natural birth and i still wanted to do that and so they're loading me with pitocin and my doula is there it's her first um, stillbirth, so she's, you know, she's working with her, other doulas in the community trying to get advice, and our, our birth teacher is there, and she's bringing, you know, books that you don't want to have on your bookshelf, but you do. She's trying to prep me um, with things like, you know, what do dead babies look like when they come out? Because it depends on how long they've been dead, and we don't know. So there's all sorts of things that you need to know and um and so 36 hours later she's born and um we had arranged for things like uh, now I lay me down to sleep is an amazing organization that photographs babies yep and they came and did an amazing job and um my husband did make it you know when and before she was born we just I mean we just laid there and cried and and um they ended up convincing me not to have a natural birth because that was unnecessary. And when my doula arrived, um, she said that the nurses were all lined up outside my door, listening to me in the you know physical and emotional pain, and begging her, "You need to go and tell that woman to get an epidural. Like this is unnecessary. Um, she's she's again she's torturing herself." So, um, and then that allowed us to spend the time that we needed and, and we spent time, um, holding her and loving her. And then, um, it's never enough time. And then we say bye. She looks so much like our younger son now who, um, is five. Um, but you know, that's the thing that people don't, I didn't know in that moment, right? I asked people like, am I going to, should I hold her? Like what insane question. But you don't know, right? You don't know that connection that you have. And so we're so um, grossed out by the idea of dead babies. Like, if if we're going to be totally transparent and blunt about this, right? Like, that is horrifying to people. And yet, and yet, in that moment, so, my OB, um, bless him, he ended up delivering my my second uh, child as well, um, he had said, and I don't know that this was a good thing, in that moment before she was born, he said, we don't know what she's going to look like. And I think that scared me a little bit, right? Because it's true, we don't know, right? And and there's there's, you know, time is not a blessing in terms of how quickly babies are born after they pass away in utero and um he uh you know called for a hat right after she was born and so i didn't look right i had my head turned and they pick her up and they put her on my chest and the nurse is whispering to me like she's perfect she's perfect you you know look at her and it's so interesting because there is this moment where she is warm because she has been in my body. And I was like, in that in that little moment, I could just pretend there is a weight of a warm baby on your chest. That part of all of this was just like my other birth. Which then talk about traumatic rate is going and having babies after this experience, which is a whole nother how I ended up serving on the board of the pregnancy after loss support nonprofit for three years, because that experience is big also. But we. Um, uh, yeah, she was perfect. We took pictures, dark hair, long lashes, six pounds, nine ounces like she would have been fine. That's the excruciating part, right? She was an almost seven pound baby at thirty five weeks. There was no cord. It was completely unexplained. Like there was no issues with the cord. There was no issues with the placenta. All they can guess is maybe she um, compressed her own cord as she was descending. Like that's how fragile this is. That is how, um, yeah, that's how fragile this is. Like babies are a miracle. So we stayed with her. They did not have a cuddle cot. Um, We stayed with her for about four hours. She was born late at night. um, And we, I had my best friends go to my house and dig out a um, bag of my dad's t-shirts that I kept. And I had them bring them. And we wrapped her up in one of those. And that is what they, um, took her in. Um, there's decisions to make, which is also insane, right? Like, hi, so before you burn this baby, you have to decide what funeral home is going to pick them up. Are you going to bury them or have them cremated? Right? I have, I have written in the past about, um, the differences between my my dad and my daughter dying and and the circumstances under which you make those decisions and like i said i'm i'm a like all business go into project management mode but wow it's different when you are um in active labor It's different when you're recovering right that's one of the things people don't think about with baby loss is that you're not just greed like take the worst you are postpartum, you have given birth to a baby, you have a dinner plate wound in your body. You're lactating and you are experiencing the worst grief for which there are physical reminders all over your house. Like it's it's the worst of the worst. Um it's it's terrible. I did it in the middle of the night. Um uh There is, you know, they talk a lot about um, empty arms and this aching feeling that moms have who've lost a baby. There are so many biological things at play that we don't realize, right? The way that a baby um, pushes their little feet on your tummy when you're feeding them, which helps massage your uterus. The way that when you breastfeed them, it causes contractions, right? All of these things are meant to help the postpartum process. They are all, again, biologically natural. And um, so leaving a hospital without a baby is unfathomable, right? You, I had... um, my pillow my husband wheeled me out holding my pillow in the middle of the night like so that no one could see me you know it's um and then he has to go into the mode you know it's like how's laura he so so i feel for me and all of that and i i will uh you know forever be grateful that he let me completely shut down because that was it i was I was a shell. I was done. So he drove us home and tucked me in the bed and that was it. I, you know, I, it's so hard to know. I did not know that I was supposed to be tracking kicks. And I think there are, um, different perspectives on that. And doctors who will say like, it matters or it doesn't matter. Um, it absolutely matters. It absolutely matters. And I wonder if I would have known, I wonder if I would have known something, right? If I were as hyper aware, if I, if I had been looking at that pregnancy, the way that I looked at my subsequent pregnancies, I bet that I would have been in the day before because it would have felt different, right? I would have been like, Ooh, she dropped. Something is different. Something is I would have been laying down every night doing those kick counts instead of being like, oh, finally, she changed positions and I'm getting a little bit of a break. I would have woke, on, woke it up in the night and instead of being like, hey, everything OK, I would have been like, OK, let's count some kicks because something feels different. Now, that's not going to save. It's not going to save every baby, but there is an organization called Count the Kicks that is making a, a statistically significant difference in forget they're in ohio or iowa in the middle state somewhere and they are tracking the number of um stillbirths in their area and they have made a statistically significant difference in um the number of those perinatal deaths yeah it's you know it's awesome it it is and i i also want to to point out Right. So we, I had this, this mix of the technology experience and the, the innate personality that, um, sees this opportunity and wanted to fix something. And, um, I did start it because of that experience. But I, I think that there, a lot of families who've lost a child can feel a, I'm not, I don't want to call it a burden or an obligation, right? But they see other people doing things in the name of their children, right? I start a foundation. I do this charity thing every year. I started this company or this blog. And I think it's really important for, um, for families, for parents to hear that like, that doesn't, um, you don't have to do something like that, right? This is not in any any way a measure of my love for my daughter, And also, um, one, uh, you know, we raised venture capital for given kind for the first few years. And um, I I used to start out the pitch by telling our story, which nothing like standing in a room full of middle-aged guys and telling them about pregnancy loss to make them uncomfortable. Um, But eventually I stopped telling the origin story and started telling the impact story and somebody commented on it once and they said it's you know this is not this isn't her story anymore it's now the platform's story and all of the people that it has helped and so in some ways I released her from that I guess and that felt you know, it's a it's a it's a lot to carry. It's a lot for the company to sort of be like this was, you know, because of her. I want this to be this broad support platform. Think about that with my, you know, my kids a lot. My my older son. I forget what he was making a wish throwing a coin in a, you know, in a wishing well the other day. And he's like, you know, he, he uses all his wishes to wish that his sister were alive. And like, that's a lot for a little dude. I, I want him to make wishes that are fun for him, not trying to wish his sister back to life, which then is complicated, right? Because if we had them, the children that we lost, we probably wouldn't have the kids we had today. So I don't so I, you know, I don't believe everything happens for a reason. I think there's a whole lot of um, inexplicable, unreasonable things that happen so it's um that's so interesting because i think so we're coming up on the 10th we're coming up on her 10th birthday and um so it was uh november 10th that i um found out she would not have a heartbeat and it was um november 11th that she was born and for many people 11 11 is um a sign of the angels and so i love that and it was actually i think one of the nurses who pointed out hey you know her birthday will be 11 11 and um, but we're, we're 10 years out. And so like, I talk about that sort of, you know, vortex of touching the, the, time that that is for Layla today is it's a lot less. And, um, so right after she was born, I went to an amazing, um, retreat for lost moms run through a, uh, group called, um, return to zero. Um, which is a movie that was made um, about uh, stillbirth, a true story, um, turned into a lifetime movie. And um, I went on this retreat for Lost Moms and became very close with a group of the moms and saw them every year um, up until recently. And then, you know, we sort of on our last reunion retreat said, gosh, we're, you know, we're all getting 10 years. Like, I think that people, the need for that connection or the need for the time dedicated to the children that we lost becomes less. And I, you know, that sounds, I don't want that to be taken as like, we miss them any less, you know, we we grieve any less. But um, you know, in our life, we we celebrate her birthday and my kids talk about her and, um, you know, her her pictures hang on our walls. Um, but, you know, the, the need to sort of have that um, that that time decreases. So it's been you know, it's been interesting over the last 10 years, what that what that process has looked like. Um, I mean, it's it's so much grace. It's so much grace and, grace and patience in the beginning. Um, you know, as I've said, I, I hope that I can be hope that that ten years out, and I, you know, met wonderful people in my early days who were ten years out from their loss, and um, you know, I I laugh again. I I you know love my next children so 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 much, and they will never replace their sister. Um, And also, gosh, it's complicated. Right. I went on to have two boys after after knowing that I was going to have this little girl that those feelings are complicated and are valid, like so valid. And people will try and invalidate them. Right. I have other beliefs um, in my own value system that people will try to invalidate because I have lost a baby. Um. And, uh, and then I think, you know, one of the things I try and do with given kind is like being able to be specific with your needs. Like, this is your time to say, do not talk to me. This is your time to say, text me every day, but don't expect a response. Um, I think those, um, you know, that, that letting people know how to help when you can and directing people, because one of the things that I've learned with Giving Kind is like people want to help. They truly do. They truly want to help. Um, but they need they they need some guidance around how to do that. And you are giving them a gift by letting them help you and telling them how they can help.
1: Laura, thank you for using your experience with loss to make sure that others don't feel alone with giving kind. And thank you for sharing Layla with us. We will remember her always. A Fresh Story is produced by Fresh Starts Registry. A heartfelt thank you to all of the women who share their stories in this special series. And a special thank you to Alex Mooney, who has been our special consultant for these episodes. If you are experiencing pregnancy or infant loss... We hope that these episodes helped you feel a little bit less alone. We love you and we are holding you close.